<laughs> Not for a willy to grow. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, to those among you who are easily frightened, we suggest you turn away now. To those of you who think they can take it, we say, welcome to the madhouse. Welcome. Did you get that? What? Welcome. Did you get that? Uh, yeah. I was sending you telepathically. It was a telepathic intro this time. Oh, that. Oh, you see, all I was getting in was uh, quite a lot of penis. A lot of penis. Yeah, that was. Uh, that's why the ah, images are popping up. We we images of them on a screen that's what, what are you looking that's across, at right now that's a cross wire that's yeah, a cross well. wire that's for the that's for my next door neighbor i like to beam him a willy every now and then <laughs> i'll beam him a willy that's uh yeah just to freak him out oh <laughs> yeah okay yeah. so i must have just cross wires with oh you that's there. why you're always googling them just so you've got yes. something to send yes yes well, i like to send it big ones because mine's very, very oh we weak. uh we noticed last time we turned your laptop on <laughs> Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we know what type you like to send. God damn. So, Jimmy, scanners. Scanners. I kept calling it scammers, and Sam thought I was watching some kind of documentary. Yeah, on Channel 5. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Scammers. <laughs> but it's not that, it's scanners. Written and, direct, written and directed by David Cronenberg. Oh yeah, not that Cronenberg, the lager. No, Cronenberg, it's the director. C, yeah, yeah. He also directed Such classics. Oh, you know, oh, you, you were doing do it. it. Oh man, we're scanning proper. Well, exactly. Now you go, you go in. You say one, and I'll say one, and then we'll go Shivers. back. Shivers. Okay, Videodrome. Rabid. Oh, okay. Uh, the Brood. The Brood. That's the last one I had on the list, but I wanted to do one oh. more. <laughs> The Fly. He did The Fly as well. Oh, him. yeah. Okay. Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. Lovely. 1981 as well, we should say. It came True. out. 1981. This was your choice as well. Yeah. It's the first time that you've seen this film. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Not yours, because you surprised me with the box set when I thought this might be something in that it wasn't necessarily as much on your radar. Well, yeah, I'm going to watch Scanners 2, The New Order, tomorrow, I think. Ooh. Yeah, I'm going to get up and watch that nice and early. Yeah, over. I watched a couple of scenes from that earlier where the robber gets his uh, head done in in the shop. Lovely. Nice. Yeah. Shall we uh, paragraph a doom? No, that's not that anymore, is it? What did you call it? That was good. We we're going to stick with paralytic. Pa- the paralytic graph. Paraly- no, that's later. Paralytic. And I want to say parallelogram, but that's a shape. <laughs> the paranormal graph. Okay. Yes, that is that. That's what it's called now. We just can never remember. Paranormal I just want to point graph. out if there are any pauses. I just want to point this out to the the audience. If there are any pauses, 
that they hear from our speech, it's because I am trying to scan them. I'm trying to scan the computer as well, get in there, okay. get out from the internet. Yeah. That would be I read. Good... Yeah, I was reading something about uh, telekinesis and telepathy and stuff. Yeah. And uh, like top five things. So I'm going to start doing that and see if I can actually do it. I think it's all bullshit. I would say most likely. Yeah. What you got there? What are you drinking? This isn't your normal dark fruit, sir. What is that? No. Well, what I have is, um, well, it's a strawberry daiquiri, as you will see, flamboyantly made, because every week uh, we talk about what we're drinking, because we are the number one podcast for horror reviews, bullshit, and booze. But my booze is always dark fruit, cider, or some kind. Pike can. Yeah, pike can. (laughs) So it's not, I don't really mix it up much lately. And uh, you do. You have sometimes a shot, a brandy, a whiskey, something going on with something else as a chaser. So what I've done this time is I've got a proper slice of lime on the glass. You see that? That's nice. That's beautiful. Pink umbrella. Nice green paper straw. It's an environmentally friendly strawberry daiquiri. Yeah. And uh, I made this in the blender just before I uh, got on Zoom to you. So I made this myself. Yeah, you've necked that down, haven't you, Del Boy? Well, we've had a bloody stressful start to the podcast. You haven't, we're doing it late because uh, Jimmy couldn't hear me over mic for half an hour. And then suddenly it just started working. So we recorded the intro, barely got through the word welcome, and I told him to stop. Now I know why he didn't say anything else after welcome. I thought your mic had gone. But you sounded like a robot. And then we're like, yeah, so damn right, I drank this quick. I've got another one in the kitchen. Nice. I think someone <laughs> might be trying to scan us. Maybe. Probably. Yeah. Nice. I'm having a sip of this now, and then we'll do the paranormal graph. Yeah, I'll have a little sip of my little cider. That's little it's not like that little cider. Mm. Ruin my joke. Using the term joke loosely there, I think. <laughs> right, let's do it. Brief rundown of the 1981 sci-fi classic Scatters. Cameron Vale, a homeless man, doesn't know that he has a powerful telepathic ability known as scanning until an incident in a shopping mall where he caused an old woman to have some kind of heart attack. He is chased down and taken to Consec Corporation, where Dr. Paul Ruth explains to Cameron why he can hear everyone's voices in his head and can do uncontrollable things with his mind. Dr. Ruth shows him that he can control his telepathic powers by injecting a drug called ephemeral. Meanwhile, a lecturer on scanning in the Consec building, Daryl Revok, volunteers to be scanned as a demonstration. The scanner, however, does not realize that Revok is actually the most powerful scanner alive what? and quite literally loses his head to Revok's supreme ability. Nice. Thanks. Dr. Ruth reveals to Cameron that he wants to train him to take down Revok and his underground network of rogue scanners hell-bent on world domination. He tracks Revok to a company called Biocarbon. Amalgamate. Amalgamate. That's not a hard word. I made a proper screw that up. A company started by Ruth and now distributing ephemeral to pregnant women for the sole purpose of producing a scanner army. In a final showdown between Revik and Cameron, 
Rebecca and Bales that they're in fact brothers and Dr. Ruth was their father. After a furious battle of telepathic and telekinetic powers, Cameron bursts into flames and dies a charred corpse. But wait, Cameron was in fact the most powerful scanner of all time. He didn't die in a blaze of glory. He actually transferred himself into Revok's body somehow, somehow, we don't know. Why? We don't know either. No. I think it was because he he was the better known actor and if they were going to do a sequel, they wanted him. (laughs) Yeah, probably. Yeah, he is definitely the better one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, great ending though. I did like it. Yeah, like bulbous heads. Bloodly yeah. out of veins. There's also something about the. Actually, we'll fucking get to that in a minute. I don't want to spunk my spunk my load. Yes, you're doing it. Yeah, like the squeezing face. out a massive poo. I'm so well now disgusted, but I'm so. Uh, I've never really been bothered. That this is an audio thing before, but now I really want to show people what we mean by the yeah. acting in this film with the. I'm controlling you. Basically, it's smell the fart acting from friends, but really intense. Yeah, it's like I'm doing a shit that's like that's four times the size of my arsehole. Yeah, you can make this a comedy simply by putting shitting and farting and plopping noises in it. Someone must have done that. <laughs> that has to be somewhere. That really has to be somewhere. <laughs> if you find it's gotta it, gotta be. Scan it over to me because I want to see it. Nice. Right. Uh, Frights and Delights, I believe, is next. Lovely. I agree. Good scan. Okay, you know what's up next, my beautiful scanner army. It's Frights and Delights! Oh, yeah, I wonder if they knew what was up next, Jimmy, because they're scanning or because we do it every week. Ah, it's because the ah, it's because we do it every week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I yeah. just need to Jimmy's original intro to the Price and Delights. So. Ah, don't spoil the magic. Sorry, should I delete that? No, because no. <laughs> there was no magic to spoil. <laughs> right, I like to start off with a small one. <laughs> I like to ease us into the process. The. Oh copy of life magazine that had the original advert for ephemeral was an actual 35 year old copy of life magazine that they ruined by sticking the ephemeral advert in it okay they actually glued it into a page oh they glued it over the top of an actual really old magazine okay what's the magazine about life magazine Uh, it's probably about life yeah. It's one of those general life, like a, I don't know, not as classy Time magazine or something. I don't know. Okay. Um, a record label paid to have their banner to be prominent in the bus crash scene, and it was hung above the bus after it crashed. Unfortunately, the record label went bust before the film was released, so it wasn't much help. Funnily enough, the banner, which was in the shape of a bull, burns down not long after it gets crashed into. In the shape of a what? A bull. A bulb? Bull. A light bulb? A bowl. A bowl? Uh, hang on, I'll scan it over to you. 
That's a penis. Ah, oh, sorry. Shaped like a penis. Sure. It's very small. B-U-L-L. B-U. Oh, a bull. A bull. The animal. Uh, last time I checked, yeah. Right. Not a bowl. No, just a bull. Uh, anyway, it burnt down not long after it gets in shot, so that was quite poetic because it... so did the record label. Yeah. Uh, what else have I got, Jimmy? I've lost my place now. Oh, um, the drug ephemeral. I don't know if you would have done something on thalidomide. Ah, no, I should have. All right, well, I've got a bit. Okay. The drug ephemeral seems to be a slight parody of Thalidomide. Uh, thalidomide was a drug given to pregnant women in the late 50s to help with morning sickness, similar to ephemeral. Also like ephemeral, the, th- yeah, thalimi- <laughs> thalidomide had unexpected effects. Children were born with severe deformities. Missing limbs and joints were among some of these. 2,000 babies and children were thought to have died from complications caused by the drug, and over 10,000 were born with serious birth defects. The drug was moved after public outrage and pressure in 1961. Now, I found a bit more about how thalidomide was made. Okay. And I thought this was a bit interesting. This is I'm going to read straight from Wikipedia. Thalidomide was developed and first released by a small, relatively new German ph- pharmaceutical company, Chemie Grusenthal, in 1954. The company had been established by Hermann Hertz Sr., a Nazi party member after World War II as a subsidiary of the family's Mara and Wertz company. The company's initial aim was to develop antibiotics for which there were more urgent market needs. Wertz appointed chemist Heinrich Muchter, a known Nazi war criminal, to head the development program because of his experience researching and producing an anti-typhus vaccine for Nazi Germany. He hired Martin Stamdrach. Is that close? a medical doctor and leading pro- pro- proponent of the Nazi eugenics program, which is literally, yeah, uh, yeah you know what that is. That was, yeah. for if anyone doesn't, it was breeding out people, but also killing people who you never wanted to breed. Yeah. Uh, as head of pathology, he was, as well as Heinz Baumkotter, the chief medical officer at the Sachsenhausen concentration camp. And Otto Ambros, who had been Hitler's advisor on chemical warfare. Absolutely mental, isn't it? He was the chairman of Grutenthal's advisory committee during the development of thalidomide. That's the head of... Uh, sorry. He, he was Hitler's advisor on, on chemical warfare. Was the chairman of the advisory committee during the development of thalidomide. Mental. This drug, yeah, I know it's mental because this drug drug was used everywhere, wasn't it? All over the world, yeah. Yeah, and it's it was the Nazis. Yeah, it's it's, it's just so far after the war as well. It's absolutely mental. Yeah, so they uh, they came up with this drug nine years after the war, but literally all of them were war criminals high up. You know, not we're not talking recruited infantry here. We're talking fully registered, agreeing yes, with all the Nazi shit. Yeah. Knew exactly what yeah. was going on. Not even knew that it was going on. They helped plan it. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's just... It's and just they're in charge of a drug mental. company. 
and then they sent this out all over the world to be given to babies. What are they? Yeah. What were they? What were they doing? It's mental. It's mental. The reach of the the Nazis even after the war. It's absolutely crazy. Yeah. And the fact that they I'm were just you. starting up legit businesses and people knew it. Yeah. It's the Americans' fault. Yeah. Anyway, I got one more. Let's not get. Oh, okay. Is it uh, light-hearted or is it going to be about Nazis? It's not about Nazis. Okay. But someone died. Uh, oh, shame it wasn't a Nazi. Uh, I can't for 100% say that it wasn't a Nazi. Okay. Or what? I, I don't know who it was. Right. But in an interview with Film Comment, I've looked at this interview in a couple of places, originally including the original place. There's something I don't understand, but we'll talk about it afterwards. Okay. Stephen Lack had this to say. There we were, the first day of scanners, and they had me get into this 18-wheel truck with a four-gear shift levers and had me drive it into shot. It was horrifying. I never drove such a thing, and I was pretty disorientated, he explained. We were set up on a feeder road to the highway, and all the camera crew and staff were there, and some car on the highway slowed down to gawk, and a truck on the highway rammed them from behind. There was a death and sirens, and the whole crew jumped over the storm fence to help out. I was given a slight reprieve of an hour to figure out the gears. So it's good to know where his head was at when someone died. <laughs> well, well, yeah. Thank God for that. <laughs> Give me a minute. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. But the thing I have a problem with that in and why I kept checking for this interview and some facts on this is why was he driving an 18-wheel truck? Because at no point in the film do I remember Gail driving an 18-wheel truck. Yeah. That's literally... There is... So, yeah, there's no point that he drives a big truck, is there? Or highway. I don't get it. So, like, I don't know why he would lie, though, in an interview, because this is a straight-up interview. Maybe it was cut. I don't know. Might have been cut. Maybe it was cut, yeah. I've, I literally scanned through the film again to say, where did this come from? But then I checked the interview, so I brought it up because I found the interview. He said this. Is it in Maybe another it Scanners just... film? No, I don't think it's so. I don't think he's in any other Scanners film. Okay. Maybe he was just doing the. Maybe he was just driving the scenery in. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe he was just taking the backdrop in. Yeah. I don't know. Actually, I might have to check that. I don't think the one I've got is like an uncut version or anything. I might have to check that. I'll check that. Yeah, let us know a, another I'll get episode back to you on that one because I don't remember that at all. Actually, like the only bit I remember because he starts off walking through a mall. Yeah. And the only bit on, and then there's the bit on the road where Daryl is trapped in the car. That's the bit on the road, and he blows up the car. Yeah, that's a car. Then the other bits, yeah, the other bits on a road as well, where they pull bus. up at a petrol station. Oh yeah, there's a bit on a bus, but he's not driving, so why would he need to learn to drive? That's true. And it's not an yeah, eighteen wheeler; yeah. it's a four wheeler. It's actually a really small school bus. I'm saying he was driving the set. I think he was driving the set over. Yeah, but he says he was driving it into shot. And these are his words. Is there any 18-wheeler in it? I don't think there is. Even, like, in the background. Just, like, maybe he's just driving it into background. 
I don't know. Fuck it. We'll have to double check that one. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Like, I saw the interview uh, quoted a few places, so and I heard that it was in film comments. I went to film comment. Uh, I think it's dot com. That's literally at filmcomment.com. Found the interview. Straight up interview. Written interview. Not video. But yeah. uh, there you go. Do with that what you will. I thought that was... It's a good little story. It's got so many details as well. Yeah. <laughs> so you can't... Yeah, anyway. That's all I've got for Frights and Delights. Yeah, maybe he was just remembering it wrong. Yeah. It was the car. Yeah. It, oh no! It was he had to walk into the shot. Maybe he was just off his tits. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretending to drive an eighteen wheeler. Driving a fucking eighteen wheeler. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just but actually, he was just walking. Yeah. You got anything else? Yeah, I've got a little something for you. Sweet. Thought you might. You that's, got that? That's disgusting. I know. <laughs> so I was going to do something on. How would we even uh, get that in there, Jimmy? I know it's disgusting. You'll be, you'll be. Oh, it's my next door neighbor again. Finish my daiquiri. Nice. Right, this will be well, kind of quick. But I was going to do something on telekinesis and telepathy, but all I was getting was Yuri Geller bullshit, and that was all bollocks. Yeah. So while I was searching, he's a scammer, suggest- not a scanner. That's true. He is a scammer. Well done. Very good. So while I was searching, another little thing popped up, and it was about teleportation. Okay. So I thought I'd go, so I thought I'd go with this. That's the same. Let's right. hear that. Kind of. You'll get. You'll see. There's a. There's a link. There is a link somewhere. Anyway, so there was this guy, Carlos Mirabella. He was a Brazilian physician, medium, and spiritualist from Sao Paulo, Brazil. He was quite well known for his ability to perform various seemingly supernatural feats, such as levitation, telekinesis, but most impressive ability he possessed was spontaneous teleportation. In 1926, Carlos was about to board a train traveling from Sao Paulo to the port of Santos with some friends when one of his companions saw Carlos walk towards the platform and vanish into thin air. In the middle of the day, in front of dozens of witnesses, he faded into a foggy haze as if he were slowly getting erased from existence. Ooh. Carlos's friends were surprised at his sudden spontaneous vanishing, but things got even stranger when a station master approached them 15 minutes later, telling them they had a call from Carlos himself. When his friends spoke to him on the phone, he claimed that he was suddenly in the town of Sao Vicente, which was 56 miles away from the train's destination. He also claimed that he'd practically instantaneously transported there, having realized after his supposed materialization that only two minutes had passed from when he disappeared at the train station in Sao Paulo. Mental. Do you think that's real or do you think that's bullshit? I think that's real. I think it's bullshit. Extraterrestrial shit. Oh, you think it was aliens? Extraterrestrials, yes. Maybe. I don't know. Or he was on a really quick train. My problem with teleport that especially teleportation like that is uh how do you how do you not end up just like in the middle of a rock? <laughs> Good point. You have to suddenly teleport 
to somewhere that's perfectly where you're going to be standing. Or it could be in space. Yeah, like when you spawn on a game and you're you're like in a bush or yeah. halfway up a tree. <laughs> how do you uh, how or in the wall? Whatever phenomenon is making you spontaneously teleport and it know where to put you. That, that see. Yeah, but okay. So that was that was one guy. Here's another. Here's another little bit. In May 1968, uh, a. A couple was reportedly driving their vehicle along a remote rural road in Chascomos, a province of Buenos Aires in Argentina, when they were suddenly enveloped by a thick fog. The Vindels allegedly failed to make it to their destination on time, and family members and authorities went on search for for the couple in the road they had taken, but no trace of them was found. 48 hours later... Geraldo Vidal called the family to inform them that he and his wife were safe, but for some reason unknown to them, they were in Mexico City, which was 6,400 kilometers away from where they were driving in Argentina. Geraldo Vidal would later claim that they had no recollection of what occurred in the last 48 hours, that they had disappeared without a trace. All they knew was that they encountered a strange, heavy fog before everything turned black. When they came to, they found themselves parked along an unfamiliar road and felt pain in their necks. And when they alighted from their car, the vehicle looked like it had been burned, as if it was badly damaged by a blowtorch. This story is not only a case of real-life teleportation, but is also one of the most talked-about cases within the realm of ufology. Wow. Bullshit, but here's a little connection here. Fog in those two stories, am I right? Yeah. And first one was Sao Paulo, and yeah. uh, the second one was uh, Argentina, South America. Yeah. Okay. I've got one last one for you. Okay. So one was 1968. So it was 1926, and then 1968. Yeah. Right. Right. This is about Gil Perez and it dates back to the nearly not my cider over there. It dates back to the 16th century when he was serving as a Spanish soldier and palace guard of the governor's palace in Manila. He was just a regular soldier until the morning of October 24th, 1593, when something strange happened. Tired due to lack of sleep in the warm weather. Perez decided to take a short nap and lean against the palace wall. When he opened his eyes, he was stunned to find himself in an unknown location. When it was explained to him that that he was actually in Mexico City, so he was it. He was in Manila, which is the Philippines. Yeah, and now he's in Mexico City. He refused to believe it that it was true, knowing it was impossible for him to be in Mexico City on the evening of the twenty fourth when he had already received his orders in Manila on the morning of the October 23rd. So Perez was questioned extensively by the Holy Tribunal of the Inquisition, and he told authorities that he had travelled from Manila to Mexico, and this is a quote, I think, in less time than it takes a cock to crow. Okay. Why that makes I don't think they mean penises, but oh, it's all no. relevant. It's, it's still true as well, though. It's less time than it takes my cock to grow. Still to grow. waiting. Gr- crow. Crow. <laughs> <or> crow. 
He revealed Sorry, that what he did you say originally? <laughs> crow. <laughs> Not cock to crow. Crow. Caca. <laughs> <laughs> Not for a willy to grow. Right. Morning wood. That's what it is, is it? When you cock crows and crows. He revealed that he knew he was no longer in Manila and that the night before, he also knew for a fact that the governor general of the Philippines had been assassinated. However, the members of the Spanish Inquisition didn't believe his story and had him, had him imprisoned for desertion. For two months, Perez was locked up in a jail in Mexico City until a Manila merchant ship arrived from the Philippines. The crew shared the news about the governor's assassination, just as Perez had described it a couple of months earlier. Even stranger, one of the passengers on the ship recognized Perez and swore that he'd seen the soldier in the Philippines marching at the palace garrison on October 23rd. And so the Holy Tribunal of the Inquisition in Mexico had no other choice but to accept Perez's story, release him from jail and send him back to the Philippines. Damn. Boom. So I think there's something going on in South America. Teleport like wormholes. Yeah, I think there's some sort of doors, some sort of supernatural doors that you can enter into South America. Like a quantum leap. Maybe they're entering different universes. They're swapped. Maybe, maybe, but it could all just be bullshit. But I hope it's not. I put my money on bullshit. But I kind of hope there's... Yeah, everyone would until it happened to them. And then you're the crazy dick in the car park with your trousers down, screaming for extraterrestrials. Take (laughs) me. Not that that's ever happened to me. No. (laughs) Not more than once, anyway. Nah, not recently. Not in the last two hours. Eight. Do you think they take people who want to go? No, that's the problem. They don't. That's the thing. I would have thought... A volunteer system would be a good way of doing it, if whatever it is they're doing. If you're kidnapping yeah. people, you may as well just see who wants to go first. Yeah. Maybe they're doing it on genetics, like they want people with certain genetic traits, so they pick them out. Yeah, exactly. Maybe. Yeah, probably. Or maybe it's all bullshit. Maybe. We're never going to know, are we, really? We're going to be dead by the time aliens come down here, but never mind. Or they already uh, I would put money on us being alive when we find life in the solar system that isn't us on Earth. Okay. Yeah, we're just going to be too old, though. I reckon 10 years. 10 years? Yep. Okay. Yeah, all right. Fair enough. Yeah. So you'll be too old. Right. Well, <laughs> I reckon 60 years ago. 60 years ago? That's when we found life outside Earth. Well, when I say life, I don't mean alien. I mean, like, life, like microbes. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, 60 years ago. Well, why would they keep that a secret? But of course they would. They found a bacteria somewhere. Yeah. And they keep it a secret. Because yeah, we're scared would. that this bacteria is going to start war with us. No, they're going to use it. They They will use that. Have some sort of warfare, chemical warfare. They probably already have COVID. Yeah. Topical. Could have been alien. <laughs> it is topical. Thanks. Um, 
Should we bullshit. move on? We should. <laughs> to Master of the Macabre. Yeah, boy! Master of the Macabre. Welcome to the Master of the Macabre. We're going to find out who was a scanner and who was just a spanner. We're going to choose <laughs> who's done the best performance in our mind in this particular film. And I've got Lovely. one choice. Yeah, I've only got one. And mine is Michael Ironside. Yes, definitely Michael Ironside. Who was Daryl Ruvick. Yeah. Uh, Honourable mention goes to Stephen Lack, who played Cameron Vale. I thought he was terrible. Whoa. But he could give me a chuckle because he was so terrible. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely shocking. Ah, I don't know how that man got cast. <laughs> he was like, I'm a scanner. <laughs> and someone was like, who are you working for? Where you come from? What are you doing here? I'm a scanner. And it's like, okay, is that the best? It's just terrible, terrible, terrible acting, I think. Yeah. That man. So bad he came out the other side of comedy. Uh, yeah uh, yeah it's it, more embarrassing yeah for him I was going to give uh, actually going to give an honourable mention to Patrick McGowan who played Dr. Ruth oh yeah yeah he had like, a cool it, voice cool voice and like when they're all around that concept meeting table and he's there fully relaxed Everyone's like proper sat up in their suits and he's just fully reclined in his chair. Don't give a shit. Yeah. And he was in that great series, The Prisoner. Right, not seen it. If you've not seen it, it's where he's on an island and they've got it doesn't know how he got there. He's got like a number. That's all he is. Did he teleport from South America? Maybe. Could have done. Uh But then he's chased by a massive like ball that bounces around. (laughs) You must have seen it. No, I've not seen that. Nah, you should watch it. You should watch it. Big balls. Like, there's a lot of balls that keeps them on this island. It's very good. But he was the main character in that. Okay. But big ups to Ironside, who also, he plays, he's in also another a fucking great 90s film. He plays Richter in uh, Total Recall. Yep. And he is in Starship Troopers. Of course he fucking is. Yes. <laughs> And something else, which I've forgotten. I didn't write down. But you'll recognise him as an older man as well. Yeah, literally. I mean, just for Total Recall and Star Trek, Starship Troopers, he deserves a little... (laughs) Star Trek Troopers. Starship Starship Troopers. But he was good. I liked him. Very good. Convincing. He was the only one who was actually seemed to be a proper actor. Yeah, he was good. He he had a bit of the Jack Nicholson about him, I think. A little bit, yeah. Or on that said, if they ever did a remake of this, um, a good car- a good person to play it would be Evan Peters from uh, American Horror. You know, he's Quicksilver in X-Men and uh, okay. he's in all the American Horror Stories. Okay, yeah. He's got a touch of the Evan Peters about him. Yeah, I thought the wild eyes. I kept thinking Jack Nicholson. Got a bit of that, like I, I did enjoy the scene where he, where we get to see him in the video, and he's 
where he's drilled his head, but yeah. he's got the plaster with the eye on it. Yeah. Like, it's proper crackers. Yeah. Proper crackers. Yeah. Too too good for Nicholson, though, I think this was. I don't think Nicholson could have done it. Well, the film, he couldn't have done yeah. Jack Nicholson. Nah, Nicholson was too good for this, I think. Oh, I thought you meant the other way around. <laughs> No, I think too, the film's too good for Nicholson. He couldn't have risen no, to the think, occasion I don't of think scanners. Nicholson would have done it. No, it was 81. I don't think... No, he wouldn't have done it. Um, anyway, so Michael Ironside winning. But uh, should we joint scan send him his medal? Yeah, let's do it. Oh, that was, uh, that was easier than I thought. Is he alive? <laughs> Hope so. <laughs> I don't know. We don't know. We don't know who, what COVID-19 has uh, taken from us. All right. Except our freedom. Moving right. on. Let's rate this fucker. Let's rate this motherfucker. The Madhouse Rating System. Right. Here we go. I've culminated all of your scans in the last 24 hours. To bring you the one and only Madhouse Rated System. First up is tension and suspense. It's not it's not too shabby, actually, is it, for tension and suspense? Nah. It's got some bits, it's got some bobs. Uh there's the car crash. And even though the car blew up a split second before it actually hit the wall, it was alright. <laughs> Yeah, I did like the aspect of mind control to make people kill themselves. That always felt like a good bit of suspenseful wonder as we watch and try to figure out people's next move and yes. what they're going to make them do. I don't think it deserves a full star, though, because I, for one, I never really felt like the main guy was going to die. And... Secondly, I also didn't care if he did. Yeah, that's fine. And it's not the most engaging story. No. Line. I don't There's care who won. It. Yeah, it was a bit like, nah, it's not, it's not truly engaging. Yeah. And it's literally going to be this goggle-eyed buffoon going against crazy-eyed psycho eventually. So let's cut to the chase and get it done. Yeah, it was always going to get there, and they could have met up straight away. Yeah, and why the fuck? Like, people know, like, that there's, what, 237 scanners in the world, and these people are trying to control these scanners, especially Consec, who are trying to, Dr. Roof is trying to get this scanner to fight the all-powerful Daryl Revok, most powerful scanner in the world. So why doesn't he arm his guards with some sort of magneto-type helmet to stop them from entering brains? Yeah. Pop a helmet on. Magneto did it. Magneto got it done straight away so that Charles couldn't get in his head. Well, exactly. And everything you try against a scanner, it's pointless. Why would you ever go hunt the scanner down? Because they can exactly. just make you turn your gun on win. you. And surely they know that when they're carrying guns into this thing. And no one ever shoots quickly. Everyone always seems no. to hold their gun at them until they're noticed and they give them a look as in, I'm going to shoot you. And then there's enough time for the scanner to go, to fuck you are. Yeah, exactly. And, and go, then, 
Uh, with the gun. Oh no, what are you doing with this gun? I didn't see this coming. It's just happened to so many people before. Yeah. Also, Revox gang, all, they all had shotguns. And there was t- at least two of them in the barn scene that were trying to shoot a shotgun at range. It's not a ranged weapon. Yeah. That's why the guy's still walking away, because it's you're <laughs> Shot him a lot. shooting from range. He's just getting a little tagged a little bit. You want to get up close with a shotgun? Yeah. Pow. Bullshit. You want to give him an AK or something? Yeah, you don't arm everyone that? with a shotgun. You arm you arm yourself with a shotgun, uh, an assault rifle, yeah, and a sniper. And you got all the ranges yeah. covered. Well, yeah, exactly. And someone with a thump, the grenade launcher, yeah. right at the back, thump. So I think for half, half a star, like you were about to say, I'll give it half but a because star. I think yeah, give... I always knew it was obvious when someone was going to die, and when someone wasn't going to die, when they were going to get out of it, there was never any yeah. shock. Hmm. There wasn't really any shock, and the kind of shock was that they were actually brothers, and that Doctor Ruth was their dad. Yeah, and the biggest shock was that uh, Stephen Lack got hired in the first place, but they gave that yeah. away really early in the game. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> right, half a start so far. Yeah. Right, next up is is it gore and visual effects? Look at that supping on that daiquiri. Go on, get it down. Delish. Yeah, man. Uh, the goal was old school, and I liked it. Yes. They weren't the best practical effects ever, but they were enjoyable. The final showdown had some lovely, disgusting, swelling, oozing veins, which was awesome. Uh, the yeah. exploding head at the beginning of the film, which isn't really the beginning, it's like 15 minutes in or something. Uh, the head was a prop. Obviously, they didn't actually blow up someone's head, but <laughs> but it was what that would have been dedication, though. Well, Maybe Stephen Lack would have been a good candidate. <laughs> well, that's a bit harsh. I'll take that back. Anyway, it was a prop filled with dog food, rabbit liver, fake blood, and general leftovers from the day. Then shot from behind with a shotgun. Nice. Yeah, and that effect was amazing. That was good. That was good. And he put that in. Sorry, you go. Sorry. You... <laughs> I thought you'd oh, frozen. <laughs> you owe me a side. <laughs> I was scanning you. Oh. But yeah, Cronenberg put that in 15 minutes into it just for late cinema com- comers, apparently. Do people turn up late a lot to the cinema? Well, people do, but like that was going to be like, that's probably one of the most iconic. Yeah takes from this film it's probably one of the most iconic shots in like sci-fi and so it was going to be at the start of the film but then like people will miss it because people were going to be coming in late it's 1981 yeah. like you've got to get they even have like, watches you've got, yeah you've got to fucking walk everywhere yeah. like people ain't got phones do you know what i mean like waiting for people you've got to go to the telephone box going come on i got tickets here so i half eight yeah. Where are you? Well, I haven't left the house yet. I'm an hour away. So he yeah. put it 15 minutes in so that people could see it, which I thought was a good shout. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. I think it was actually, uh, we talked about the film not having any shock, but that was actually a bit where I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, I, I like the bit. I like do like the bit at the end, like you were saying, with all the veins, like they were making their veins pop out. And I liked how, well, am I keeping you up? And I liked yeah. how uh, every now and then one of them would just like pop 
and squirt blood. And I don't know if that was on purpose, whether they made that, whether they were supposed to do that or whether the prosthetics or whatever it was just like gave way a little bit and just spurted. Yeah, seeped through the, skin, the fake skin. Just, just went. I don't know whether that was, uh, but that looked fucking cool. That was some of the best stuff about the film is the practical effects. Absolutely. And even like the, the thing about Stephen Lack and his acting was his terrible, terrible eyes. He was a terrible yeah. eye actor and they were very big. Yes, yeah. they were very big. So at the point at the end where his eyes burst yeah. out of his head, that was fucking good. That was retribution yeah. for sitting through an hour and 30 minutes of it. Yeah, he does try. I mean, he had to act with his eyes a lot because he was trying to use his mind. And that was what was the most hilarious thing about this film was watching people do that. Just to yes. gain rehearsals must have been just fucked. <laughs> yeah. What are we doing? It's like, it's a lot of grimaces. With There's, there's a lot of like. It's hilarious. But you yeah. don't see Charles Xavier in the X-Men films doing that, do you? He just pops his hat on. It's like. Yeah, I think he takes laxatives, so it's easier to push out. Oh, yeah, and he was disabled, so it probably just went straight into a bag. <laughs> right, so one for going visual effects, I think. 100%. <laughs> oh, I'm going to hell. <laughs> What's next? Next up is performance. Yeah, and it was fucking dodgier than a £3 note and even less believable. <laughs> For most of it. <laughs> Except Michael Ironside, he was actually right. Um, yeah, watching people to pretend to use their minds to attack each other is one of the funniest and saddest things I think I've ever watched. Yeah, imagine if you watch it without sound. It'd be quite, it'd be quite funny. Well, that's what I'm on about, like, rehearsals. If you watch this thing, like, without the makeup... That last yeah. scene, though, where it's like five minutes of them fighting with their mind, and the only thing that's changing is the bulging on their face and their facial expression. Yeah. Take away the makeup, take away the music, and you've just got two <laughs> just insane men. Yeah. Clearly tripping on something. Imagine seeing that in the street, that, that fight. <laughs> you see a fisticuffs on one street and you look outside another bar and there's two guys just kind of glaring at each other and grimacing in pain. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah. The, the acting wasn't great, but <laughs> it was uh, probably what was kind of required. You couldn't act this 100% legit and you couldn't go full weird funny because, I don't yeah. know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't. I wouldn't. You probably wouldn't give it one for performance. I probably wouldn't. I still say Michael Ironside was definitely the standout. Like he, his, like and his character. Like I was kind of yeah. rooting for his character. Yeah. Like, uh, like the bit where he's talking about him drilling his head because he's trying to get the voices out. Yeah. He doesn't realize he's like a scanner, and he's proper crackers and a bit. And we never heard mental. what his plan was for when he took over the world. He might have just been able to think... run the place better than us. Hey, uh, what's that you got there? That's a massive bottle of Corona. This? Oh, uh, well... <gasps> it's a Henry, Henry Weston. Medium dry, cloudy yes. vintage cider. Absolutely beautiful. Unfiltered as well. Very nice. Lovely. I love that. Unfiltered. You haven't tipped it up, though. Not... Got to admit, you could do that, boy. 
before you before you open it. That's right. It's fine. Just put my hand over the end. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, that's not gone well. You know. get it in your well. mouth, boy. Yeah. You stop saying that to me. <laughs> oh, delicious! Jealous. Got a good, good selection of booze tonight. No dark fruits here. Right, so on that performance, nil poire then, I'm saying. Nil poire. So that's one and a half. Right, next up is... What is the next one? Musical score and sound Musical effects. Musical score, right, I thought, I thought we dropped that. Musical score and sound effects. No, we're still judging it on musical score right. and sound effects. We're just not going to talk a lot. There's a lot of it. So this, yeah, it's very 80s, this one, even though it's very 1981. Uh, they really released yeah. that synth. <laughs> yes. It's very dominant and also very repetitive. They found a theme there and they really ran with it for the whole film. And a bit loud. It was loud, but very in your face. Maybe that's our modern tellies, I don't know. Maybe it is. I do wonder that sometimes know, effect, yeah. when effects are bad, I just wonder if uh, they're much more noticeable these days. Yeah, because the old, the 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 modern tellies now don't have good speakers because they're flat flat screens, aren't they? The big tellies back in the day had bigger, bigger screen, bigger speakers because they were big backs, so you could get actually you could actually hear, yeah, talking and music at the same time. What? When nowadays. <laughs> Nowadays, you just get overpowered by the music and you can't hear the dialogue. Yeah. The speakers are shit. Yeah. I don't know. I liked it. I thought this was probably one of the ones I actually... I liked. Because there's not... There's not too much dialogue in this film. Yeah, you know I've I mean? always got time for an 80s synth track. Horror yeah, because the first, first, like, 10 minutes, there's no talking. Yeah. It's just like that. I I quite liked it. It is so good. The I, repetitive bits. I mean, are like when there's fights going on, and it's like yeah, it's like on a two second loop. Yeah, for the whole. Yeah, it's not actually that. I can't remember it exactly, but that was just as beautiful. Yeah. What do you want to do for musical score and sound effects? What do you want to do? I'd give it half. I don't know. What do you want to do? I'd give it half, I think. Okay, give it half. Are you I keeping like tally? Because I've not. Yeah, we're on two. Ooh. Right, last one then. Is it overall experience? It is. Um. Don't know. I'd give it half. It's a bad film that somehow ends up being good. Well, I don't think overall, I don't think it's a bad film. When you break it down into its individual components, it's a bad film. But when you put them all together, it's a good film. Yeah, but yeah, it might be. But if someone churned it out now in 2001, I think it'd be lapped up. People be loving it. 2001? Where are we now? You time twenty twenty one. Fuck me! I'm like transportation, transportation, well, time I was travel. Telling earlier. Yeah. Teleportation, transportation. That's fucking buses and shit. <laughs> teleportation. I've teleported. It's a form of transportation. Out of my own mind. 
to a different year. <laughs> yeah, oh, you're not looking at the screen going, Who, who's this guy? I'm not supposed to meet you for another <laughs> 10 years. God damn it. Future Jim. <laughs> what were we saying? So, if it was made in 2001 or 2021... If it was made in 2021, I think people would lap this sort of shit up. Do you? They were going to do yeah, a remake, weren't they? Yeah, but they didn't do it. 2008. Yeah, I didn't even make a note of it because yeah. it was such a non-story. They were going to make a remake. Now, they didn't. Yeah. But if they did this shit now, people would love it because everybody loves all this superhero shit. Marvel, DC and that. Yeah. Mind control. Yeah. Let's do that and chuck that on the pile. Chuck it on a pile, innit? Chuck it on a pile. I liked it. I like it. Like I said to you earlier, I'm going to watch the second one tomorrow. Go on, get it, Daniel. Yeah, I'm going to watch the second one. I'll have a look. I know you've got it on DVD, so I'll have a look for somewhere to stream. Uh, but what are we doing for overall experience, Jimmy? That's what we're here for. Oh, that is right. We're on to overall experience. I just, I think I'm going to give it half a star. I think it's, I will. What do we do out of five? Is that a five? If we give five it. Stars. Fuck it. I'm going to give it a star. So it's three out of five. Yeah, I'd give it three out of five. So I'm going to leave it at that. Iconic. I'm not going to add any more. I think three out of five is <laughs> generous. Yeah, I think it's an iconic sci-fi film. I think people should watch it and enjoy it. For, enjoy it for what it is. It might be a bit silly. It might be a bit stupid. And some of the effects might be a bit like not what people are used to nowadays. But yeah, I think it's still good. Sweet. I think it holds up. So it's three out of five for Scanners. Nice. We're going to have a quick pause and then we're going to come back with your IMDb. Film okay. choice. All right? Yeah, boy. Yeah, boy. Right, we're back. I've cleaned up some cider off my floor. And Jimmy, have you got an IMDb description? Yeah, sorry. Let me just uh, clean my mouth because I was just licking that cider off the floor. <laughs> ah, the japes. Right. <laughs> okay, you ready for this? Yeah. People mysteriously start receiving voicemail messages from their future selves foretelling their deaths. Uh, I can give you some clues. Okay. Okay. This isn't a clue, but I just want to say I've wanted to do this for quite a while. Read the description out again. People mysteriously start receiving voicemail messages from their future selves foretelling their deaths. Okay, then give me the clue. Okay, there's a phone involved. Okay, and an amazing ringtone. Uh, it was remade shoddily by America. Mm. Uh, the original is Japanese, and it came out in 2004. I'm not going to get this one. It's very good. It's very creepy. Is I used it... to have this. I had this ring when I because I was big into Japanese horror films back in the day. Still am, but 2004, and I when you could choose a ringtone, yeah, yeah, for your phone, for your flip phone, and that, 
So I had this ringtone on my phone from this film, and it was a flip phone. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> right. Is it Japanese okay. language? Dubs. Um, it is in Japanese, yes, but you can watch it subtitled. Subtitled. Uh, no, I'm not going to get it. Okay, it's called One Missed Call. Okay. Not heard of it. Very good. What? You heard of the American one? What's that called? One Missed Call. No. It's shit. But this one, this one is really good. All right, okay. I think uh, you're going to enjoy it. How do they... Uh... How do they receive messages from their future selves? Uh, voicemail. Yeah, that wasn't the problem I had with voicemail, I understand. Well, <laughs> you're going to have to watch the film, aren't you? That's the point of the film, isn't it? <laughs> okay. I can't just go, I can't tell you. <laughs> it's the mysterious medium of voicemail. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> To, I, well, I can't explain the plot now, can I? That's right, yeah, I get it, I get it, I get it. Yeah, I look forward to it. It sounds like a very interesting premise. I think you'll enjoy it. Is this one you've got? What do you mean interesting premise? The last one, a guy's head blew up. They were scanners, they were telepathic. That's an interesting premise as well. Exactly. Could they not both be interesting? They're horror films, interesting premises. Yeah. But this one's about receiving voicemails. It's got a bit of the Looper film-esque to it. No, it's also, actually, do you know what it's got? It's actually got a touch of the final destinations about it. Uh, okay. Because they get it first. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So they hear something, how they die, like Final D. Final anyway, D. We're rolling out. Catch you next time on Final D. <laughs> Right, we're running out of time. We need to plug a band. Who have you got in mind? <laughs> oh, shit. It's me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. It's the awesome, awesome band, Grave Slaves. And I'm pretty sure the bass player plays a spade as a bass. But this is their song, Right to Hell! <laughs>
Grave Slaves, and if you want to find out what more they've got on offer, you can find them on their Bandcamp by visiting thegraveslaves.bandcamp.com. And as for us, don't forget to subscribe to the Madass Podcast. Give us a sexy five-star review. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and please send your favorite Oasis album to the Bin. And me and Jimmy will see you in a fortnight for our next episode on One Missed Call.